You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're in the third Mishnah of the sixth chapter. And we've just learned that there are a whole bunch of thirteens. There were 13 tables, there were 13 chests, there were 13 prostrations. And now we're going to find out in a little bit more detail what exactly these are. And we're going to start with the prostrations. And where did they prostrate? And uh, it, it, I must say, it's honestly mysterious. Four in the north, four in the south, three in the east and two in the west. According to the 13 gates. So the 13 prostrations are about the 13 gates. It's not quite clear why we need to prostrate for the gates but we're going to go through the gates and then we're going to look at the Mishnah in the Yerushalmi which actually questions this it just questions this whole idea why do we need prostrations corresponding to gates but here we go Sharim Dromim so these are the southern guests southern gates the four southern gates Sharim Dromim Smuchim Namarav, Shar Elion, Shar Hadelek, Shar Habchorot, Shar Hamaim. So we've got the upper gate, the fuel gate, the gate of the firstborns, and the water gate. Why was it called the water gate? Vilamani Krash more Shar Hamaim. Shibumach Nisim, Tzlochit, Shamaim, Shel Nisuch Bachag. Because through it was brought in the flask of water for the libation on Sukkot. So on the last day of Sukkot, we bring in, or they brought in, a flask of water, and water was offered up on the altar. So right the way through Sukkot, there's this extraordinary set of 70 animals which are offered on the altar, and the number decreases every day. And then right at the end, we offer water on the altar, and this is brought up from the pool at the bottom. You can still see actually the pool in the in, in the bottom of King David City. And they'd bring up a flask of water through this gate and they'd pour it on the altar. And the Mishnah, well, when we come to the Mishnah in Sukkah, we'll see that this was the most, the, the scene of the most fantastic, extraordinary celebrations when they pour the water on the altar. And I guess water is a source of life. And so it's particularly precious and Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov actually refers to a, a prophecy of Yechezkel, of Ezekiel. So Ezekiel is in, is in exile in Babylon. And he has this vision of the rebuilt city of Jerusalem. And he sees water trickling through there. So water, it's a sign of hope, actually, for the prophet. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says, Bo hamaim. Rabbi Eliezer Yaakov says, Through it, the waters trickle forth, and in the time to come, they'll trickle forth from under the threshold of the temple. That is a direct quote from Yechezkiah. So that's the south. 
What about in the north? Lumatam batzafon, opposite them in the north. Smuchim, smuchim lemarav. So opposite in the north, close to the west, were Shar Yechonia, Yechonia's gate, Shar Korban, Shar Nashim, Shar Hashir. Yechonia's gate, the gate of the offerings, the gate of the women, and the gate of song. Vilamani crash more Shar Yechonia. Why was it called Yechonia's gate? Shibor Yatsa Yechonia Begaluto. We've. I actually brought you on the source sheet the verses from two kings, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon comes along and he advances against the city and then he exiles the king together with his mother and courtyards and commanders and officers. They all go to the king and they all, they're all transported to Babylon, to Babylon. This is in the eighth year of his reign. This is before the destruction, before the destruction. So that's why it's called Yehonia's Gate because he went through it into captivity. Bar Mizrach, what about the east? Bar Mizrach, Shar Nicanor, there's still a tab. In the east, there's the gate of Nicanor, and there's still an arch of Nicanor, which you can see, by the way, on the eastern side. Ushnei Pishpashin Hayulo, and there were two small gates. We might call them wicked gates. You know, sometimes you have a big gate for horses or oxen or trucks or lorries. Um, and then you might have two little small gates for pedestrians. So if some, just when a, a person wants to come through, you don't need to open the big gate. You just open the little gate. And there seem to be these two little gates. Shnei pish pashin hayalu. Two little gates it had. Echad bi minor, echad bi smaller. One on its right and one on its left. And these count, by the way, in the 13. That's why they're enumerated here. And then there were two gates in the west which had no name. So what are these? Why do we need these gates? And the, it's interesting the Jerusalem Talmud comes back and it and it pushes back a little bit. This Mishnah, according to the Jerusalem Talmud, is Abba Yossi ben Chanin's. Because Abba Yossi ben Chanin said, The prostrations were according to the 13 gates. Bram, Karabanan, Shiva Sharim Hayu. But according to the rabbis, there were seven gates. There were not 13 gates. So why do we need 13 prostrations? Why do we need? Al, um, there were seven gates. Al Rabbanan, Ika Hayu So according to the why, according to the rabbis, have we got the 13 prostrations? So, so this is, as we have stated there, the Greek kings made 13 breaches in the walls. So these 13 prostrations, they're not about the gates which we made, they're about the breaches which the Greeks made. And then, Chazru Ugadarum, and eventually, you know, we came back and fixed them and fenced them off again. But, But they decided that there should be correspondingly 13 prostrations. So these 13 prostrations, in some way, 
recognized the 13 breaches in the wall of Jerusalem that were made by the Greek kings. And we still learn about them today. As well as the 13 gates or the seven gates and the 13 prostrations, we learn about the 13 temples. 13 seems to run through this Mishnah. So there were 13 tables in the temple. There were eight of marble in the place of slaughtering. And they'd, they'd rinse the entrails, the entrails on these tables. And of course, marble is really good in the heat because it keeps everything cool. And we, I think we learn, I think it's Mishnah, in, uh, perhaps in Avot, that there was a miracle in the temple that, uh, you know, the meat didn't go off. But we don't rely on a miracle. That's, I think, a comment from the Talmud that we don't rely on a miracle. So they used marble tables in order to keep the meat cool. So there are eight tables of marble in the place of slaughtering. And there were two to the west of the ramp. This is the ramp going up to the, the altar. One marble, one silver. So they'd place the ministering vessels, the, the tools they used, which, of course, didn't need to be kept cool, but were made of precious things. They'd place that on the silver table and they'd place the limbs of the sacrifices on the marble table to keep them cool. And along the same lines, there were two tables in the porch, on the inside of the entrance to the temple. One of marble and one of gold. And it's the same principle. So when they had the showbread, the, the day, the, the showbread, which had to be brought into the Holy of Holies, they would put that on the marble table when it came in. When it comes in, it goes on a marble table. But again, they want to keep it cool. They don't want it to go off. It's got to stay there a whole week. So they put it on marble when it goes in. But it sits on gold when it comes out. Because we increase in holiness but we don't decrease. Well, what's the increase? What's this about increase and decrease? Well, let's just finish the Mishnah. There was one gold table right inside. And that is where the the, um, the Lechem HaPanim, the showbread, used to sit. So it comes, when it arrives in the temple, it's sat on a marble table. And then when it goes into the Holy of Holies, it's sitting on a gold table. And of course, when it comes out, well, we can't go from a gold table down to a silver table or down to a marble table. So when it comes out of the Holy of Holies, of course, it sits on a gold table before it's taken away. That's why the showbread has got one marble table for going in and one gold table for coming out. Those are the 13 tables. So what about the 13 chests? 
There were 13. I'm translating this word as chest, but it's shofarot. Literally, there were 13 shofars, 13 trumpets in the temple. And we've talked before about the fact that the Mishnah uses this word shofar. It uses trumpet to describe a chest because they were shaped a bit like they were triangle shaped. So they'd be narrow at the top and wide at the bottom. So you could put a coin in, but you couldn't take a coin out. They were shaped like shofarot, even though they were chests. So shilosha asar shofarot. There were 13 shofars or chests. Hayubabindash in the, in the Mikdash. And different things were written on them. Different things were written on them. Tiklin chadatin. Interesting, by the way. We're going into Aramaic now. Tiklin chadatin is Aramaic for shikalim chadashim. Maybe we're going into Aramaic because that was a linga franca. Remember, we're writing on these. We're writing on these chests. And we need people to read. And we, we talked before about the fact that the seals um, are were perhaps written the, the seals that were were used to hand out the receipts for libations were written calf ram kid and so on and there's a dispute in the mishnah as to whether they were written in hebrew or aramaic but if they were written in aramaic that was clearly because that was the link that was the language people talked at the time so here we seem to be going back to the same idea there's a chest something is written on it it's written in aramaic so people can understand so, tiklin chadashim ashkalim chadashim, new shekels. Vetiklin atikim, old shekels. Kinin, now we're going back into Hebrew. Kinin are nests. Vegos leola, young pigeons for burnt offerings. Eitzim, wood. Ulvona, frankincense. Zahav, la parochet. Gold for the ark cover. And then shisha linava, and six free will offerings so we got all these things written on the chests so what does it mean well the mishnah is going to explain tiklin chadatin that's the new shekels every year when you come on with your shekel and you put it into a chest that is marked oh is marked new shekel new shekel like in fact we still talk about new israeli shekel atikin what about old? What, why are they labeled old shekels? Misha lo shakal, someone who didn't pay the previous year. So you come in, you put in your new shekel. But if you were overdue your shekel from the previous year, you could put it into the old shekel chest. Misha lo shakal, eshtakads. Whoever doesn't, Misha lo shakal eshtakad, shokel shanaba. Someone who doesn't hadn't paid his shekel in the past year can pay next year. I.e., when you showed up with your shekel for that year, you'd pay for the previous year as well. Kinim, what are the nests? Haim Turim, these are turtle doves. So a zav would uh, someone who'd had an emission would have to bring two turtle doves. So these are these are money for turtle doves. Because Leola. These are young pigeons for burnt offerings. Well, these are just young. These are just young pigeons, right? There's no problem about that. Vechulan olot, and these are all for burnt offerings, according to Rabbi Yudah. Vechulan olot, divrei Rabbi Yudah. Vachachamim omrim, and the sages say, kinim echad chatat vechad olah, that the pair of turtle doves after 
a um, after an emission, in other words, the kinim, the nests, one sin offering and one burnt offering. And I think that is the language, actually, of the Torah. And the um, young birds for burnt offerings, these are obviously all burnt offerings. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.